Microphone, my headphones. Jesus oh Christ. no! Jesus fucking Christ! Get it together, Tim. Get it together, man. Hold on. You may or may not be saying something. My I'm saying everything. I've so said everything. Chairs, all the wheels. important things. The cord is so long. Look, it's so fucking tangled. This really, this is driving me nuts. There we go. And that's really, you know, the reason that everything has turned out the way it's turned out. Uh, hard to believe, but it's true. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to understand the present by living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And here we are again, Tim. Here we are. Um, yeah. Here we are for the show again. I'm, 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 I'm excited, I guess, is what someone excited. would say. For it. Yes, right? It's going to be an excellent show. <laughs> um, we can stop that right now, though. Exactly. Okay. Excrement and exorcism were the ones I was going to work in, but we'll be cutting all of We'll be exercising all of that with the exacto knife that I use when I edit things. Um... But welcome to the show, uh, television show that, uh, television show, we're not a television show, we're, not, we're, we're barely whatever we're supposed to be with this opening, fuck man, I'm no, sorry. Is, don't apologize, this is this is good, this gets yeah. us into uh, a good place, a good mood to talk about Saturday morning cartoons, because you know, we're having some fun, and cartoons are fun, right? Uh, well, I would I would have hoped so. I, I, the question is out there for the one we're talking about today. Um, yeah, t- but uh, we've been doing a pretty good run with with some subjects from the '90s. It was something that we did August. We kind of made our month of '90s, and we talked about the Tick, which was a Saturday morning Fox Kids Club cartoon that you and I used to watch uh, together in the college dorm rooms. And today we're going to be talking about another cartoon. We're doing another binging podcast where we watch um, multiple episodes of a series from our youth in a row and see how it kind of plays the way that people binge watch programs now. Um, back then you would do that if you taped it yourself maybe and you didn't have a word for it because not everything needs a term, but but we're using it, binging. Um, so today we're talking about another Fox cartoon that meant a lot to me. I love this cartoon. Um, I think it premiered, I want to say it premiered in 92, 1992. Um, so that would have been my senior year at, at high school. Um, so this would actually be the 25th anniversary, which I know you know because we said that before we started recording, and I was trying to make it sound like I just thought of it. But we're talking about X-Men, the animated series. And I, I'm kind of surprised to find out that a lot many people fondly remember this cartoon. This cartoon has a big following of people our age and younger, I was surprised to find out. How did you find that out? Because that's not information that I am aware of until just now. Uh, well, a good point. I guess you made a good point. I'm just curious. Um, I talk to a lot of people our age and younger. No, <laughs> I, I guess you're right. No, I don't, yeah, no, you say it. I, I, it was something that I feel, I feel like people know the show, but then again, I, yeah, we'll cut this. We'll cut this part. No, I'm just, it's, I, I, it's just never really come up for me, especially now that you've got the X-Men movies and mm-hmm. the Marvel TV shows. Um, I don't. And I'm not saying that I am out there uh, just devouring all this information of Marvel Entertainment. I'm not. 
So maybe I am just missing that discussion of the the 90s cartoon series. Well, first, I, I'd like to say that I'm not out there talking to people our age and younger, like I'm doing some sort of a survey or some sort of creepy uh, conversion therapy uh, for religion. But um, but no, that's true. Comic books are a big deal. Everyone knows that. And there yeah. are plenty of movies and plenty of, of, of cartoons. And in a lot of ways, the X-Men movies, the first X-Men movie, which uh, we'll never talk about because it premiered in 2000 and the parameters of the show don't allow it. But um, a lot of people would say that kind of kicked off this modern comic book cinematic landscape or whatever you want to say but the, the cartoon this x-men cartoon the the series has done pretty well i mean it's when you think about it it's been around for almost 50 years as a comic book right if not 50 years yeah and it's always been a good metaphor for how society deals with uh racism with um homophobia with sexism like it, it is a good tool creative tool in 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 comics lingo and comics setup for for dealing with issues like that because they're outlandish costumes they're ridiculous names they're superpowers and grandiose battles but within all of that there's also these very humane soap opera like storylines of how they interact there's people who get along rivalries of people who don't get along there's interesting characters you get to know with backstories where they're from and and, and family members it's a very intricate soap opera with all the spandex outfits and the, the superpowers and, and again, ridiculous names. And this cartoon really embraced that, you know, like they don't do costumes in comic book movies. Now they tone down a lot of the more spectacular <laughs> elements, but this show, you know, I, and we went in and watching it. I, I kind of forgot that yeah. the X-Men, the animated series, when it premiered and through the years that it was on, I think it was on for five years. It sort of taught me, and I was already a huge X-Men fan. That's the first comic book, superhero comic book series I ever followed. I started in 1987. I was issue 226 of the Uncanny X-Men. It was part of the Follow the Mutants storyline. I had known the characters. My brother was a big comic book collector, and he was big into the X-Men, so I knew the characters, but I never really read them. And I started with that, that run and, and collected it for probably um, a, a good 20 years from there. I, I don't collect it anymore, but I have a, probably a 20-year collection of the X-Men comics, and... When this cartoon hit, when this animated series hit, it hit the airwaves with all of the intricate plot lines and characters and, 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 and character crossovers and, and all every element that made this comic book great was in that show. Right. You know, and then as a form of a cartoon, it also had all these aspects of, you know, nowadays I feel like with movies there's always these concepts of an Easter egg, you know, or this reference, you know, like within the movie – there's a little buried reference for the fans. If they see that, they're like, oh, that's like the character in the comic book or that's the name of a corporation in the comic book or something. And this cartoon was all of that, but not to, I don't know. I, I feel like this wasn't a cartoon to get you into the X-Men. This was a cartoon that was designed for fans of the X-Men. That's how I saw it too. There's yeah, no, yeah, there's no handholding with this show. They, they kind of spit it out and... Yours, you have to be able to follow it. And, and you know, it does predate the mainstream. Like, I feel like comic books are very accepted in the culture now. And obsessive fan culture is also very accepted. People know how that works now, whether or not they follow all the points. Like, I don't watch something like Game of Thrones, but I know there's, or, or read the Harry Potter books, but I know there's an obsession with that that is part of how that works. That mindset wasn't necessarily the general understanding back then in 1992 you know everything in a superhero movie or tv show was always explained but this show this show didn't do that but i don't 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like it was intentional. I feel like the show was very difficult to penetrate, very insular. And I guess what I wonder, and it's something I, I kind of want to keep on our minds as we're talking about it, you know, is that good? You know, is because I think it says something about fandom that it's so protective of its material that it's impenetrable. And I think it specifically says something about comic book fandom and, and specifically X-Men fandom. And I just, I wonder why would you create entertainment in that fashion and give it to the masses? Then is that good to do? And, and I don't know, you were saying though, you do feel like this is kind of a, 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 a show that's wrapped up in its own cocoon of what it is. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe that. And I think uh, we're going to have a decent conversation about this because I am that person coming at this who is not a, a fan of X-Men. I didn't really have a sense of the X-Men um, through my youth. Um, I, I don't, in my mind, I don't have a memory of when I became aware of them or if I was aware of them prior to this cartoon. I probably was, but really I, I knew them because of this cartoon and and it was interesting that you said it came out in 92 because I have no recollection of it in 92 when and did you start watching it we started watching it I really remember watching it with you oh, uh, so our sophomore year yeah and it wasn't even freshman year maybe oh. we did freshman year but so I going really into remember its third it season is when year. we were starting like yeah sophomore year like I can picture where the TV was in the room and, and where we would sit and watch it um, sophomore year, so that's when I came into it third, third, uh, third season, I guess. So, what was your impression and, of it? Like, what did you know of it, or what were you looking at I, when you first looked at an episode of this? Well, like I said, I don't have a recollection of being hyper aware of the X Men in any way prior to this, um, and so I came to it just with a general superhero knowledge, and I understand how superhero powers work. I understand <laughs> costumes, you know, like that all made sense. That that wasn't uh, um, off putting in any way. But what I didn't get and what I had to dig into, and sometimes we would talk about it, are what you were saying, these Easter eggs um, that really aren't Easter eggs. They're just part of the world that this cartoon is presenting. Um, there'd be a flash of this character and, and then somebody in the background and then this character would come in for a bit. And I would, if I didn't know and I needed to know, you would say something or I would ask. And I know that this was when I started reading your comic books. Um, I can't remember exactly the storyline. I'm, I'm sure if I give you some highlights that I re recall, you can tell me. But um, I was reading a storyline that really was um, – shit, now I can't remember. Is it the, the Age of Apocalypse storyline where it was like the alternate reality that Legion created where Apocalypse wins. And there's all these new teams. The, the different X-Men are on different teams now. And some are bad. Some are good. It might have been that the, the the stuff that really grabbed me was and I can't think of his name the Russian guy that can Colossus turn into, Colossus he was a major part of the storyline that I remember reading about oh okay um, he had left the team for a while and came mm -hmm. back and maybe he was working with Magneto for some time um, or was trying to help him in this storyline anyway so <laughs> I came to it I came to it completely a, a novice to it and so I didn't feel like I was. Um, unable to penetrate it. It took some work, and I really needed to want to get in there. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, it's it, it, well. Well, I think there was like complicated backstories that you may have been aware of. The stories themselves are pretty straightforward. You know, good fighting evil. Well, they um, were so because I have to say, watching it this time, and why don't we start with? There are four episodes we watched. 
Um, this first one, Externally Yours, was the name of it. It's kind of a Gambit-centric episode, and I have to say, there's a lot on this show that I assume is from the comic, because it does give or- a little bit of an origin to Gambit. There are some characters, the externals themselves, who appear. I had to go, after watching it today, I had to go and look up the externals. Like, I knew the name, but like I didn't know these characters. I kind of knew the look. They have these giant pur- purple armor, green hair. Like they're, They have the flashy 90s comic book costumes, but I didn't recognize these characters, and there's no explanation for it. There's no introduction to who these characters are. Yeah, and that threw me actually, and I love the X Men. I feel like, and I feel like in the '90s, I would have known what was going on in the comics because that was the heyday of me reading it. And yeah, that the, their whole because there's like a supernatural element to it. There's all these things that just don't get explained. It, they don't get explained at all. And I'm sitting there watching it uh, and thinking, I can't wait to talk to Tim and find out what here <laughs> was made for the cartoon and what is from the comic book. And it mm-hmm. sounds like it's all from the comic book. Well, a lot of it is. I mean, I don't. That's the thing. Like, I don't think they really ever changed much when they used it. I think things are pretty, and we'll see this with a couple other episodes too. When they take a storyline, they take a character. They didn't, and I think a lot of the writers for the show were comic book writers. I don't know if all of them were, but I think some had worked on some X Men stories. The movies now, and and the comic book movies actually always in general. If you look at Superman and Batman from the seventies and eighties, and definitely the ones now, they always take liberties to make the source material work. You know, they update a little bit of its history, or they change an aspect of the character or the character's name, or, or certain sort of interactions, just so it works as a movie. And I think that's fine. That's great. This cartoon, when it gives you a new character, if they're going to call that character Moria McTaggart, if they're going to call that character Belladonna, if they're going to call that character Proteus, now I'm just going to start naming characters. <laughs> they're going to call that character Omega Red. If they're going to call that character Juggernaut, if they're going to call that character Mr. Sinister, they're just going to put them as they look in the comics with those names. They're not going to tell you, they're not going to have a character say, oh, I remember you from NASA and you did this. They're not going to Right. Alter it a little bit to fit the story. And we'll see this with the Rogue has an episode that we'll talk about in a little bit. They just throw these things in. Yeah. And I guess they prep you a little. Like each episode, and this was not common, I think, for cartoons then. I feel like it is now. But every episode, every episode that I remember of this cartoon began with a previously on segment. The voice of Cyclops, the leader of the group, would say previously on the X-Men. And they would give you clips from previous episodes. Yeah, not even the one before it. I think just whatever you would need for this particular episode. Yeah, to kind of know. Well, usually what you would need for the episode. And I have to say, I appreciated it in all the episodes. This first episode, which is Gambit, which was a very popular character in the 90s. Not so much now. Um, The previously on for this um, basically was there to remind you that Gambit uh, threw a lot of cards. (laughs) And that's all he did. I mean, that's all he got. Well, here's the thing that... (laughs) Here's the thing that was hard for me to come in because we're uh, – I don't think we said this. We're we're watching episodes from season two. Yes. And I think we started with episode six. I believe you're right, yeah. Of season two. And so I don't know because I have no you know recollection uh, if Gambit had been like out of the picture for several episodes or something. And maybe that's why we needed all this Gambit reminders at the beginning. I don't think so. I think they were just doing um – because I do remember this season. Like, I remember there is a ongoing storyline in the background of these episodes, too. Like, I think it was just they were doing a Gambit-centric episode. And maybe this was the one time where they're like, well, we don't have anything. <laughs> really <laughs> set this up. But um, but normally they would give you a previously on and it would throw a bunch of clips. And it wasn't narration. It wasn't like the clips would necessarily make sense. Right. But they were there to kind of shape or remind you a little bit of 
what previously happened. So going into the story, you wouldn't have to just get the exposition of someone clunkily reminding you through dialogue. And this kind of reminds me of comic books. They don't do this as much anymore either, because I think the idea with comics is everybody reads them in succession now. But it used to be, especially with Marvel comics, something would happen in a panel or a character would be mentioned. There'd be a little asterisk next to the text and at the bottom of the panel in a little box. There'd be a little something that said, see previous issue, or this is who this person is. Like there'd be a little reminder, like a footnote. And I guess, in a way, this previously on is is sort of like a footnote for you getting into the episode. Um, But that also gave the show this sense of a bigger epic. You know, it gave the show a sense of a soap opera. That's really why I liked it. Um, Part of why I liked it when when I was introduced to it, when you introduced me to it, because it wasn't just this one-off, you know, uh, everything's hunky-dory at the end. There's actually a story going on. You get to... Uh, look forward to it each week and, and figure out what's happening. And I mean, for me too, like you're saying, uh, for you coming from the comic book to this, you see your similarities. And <clears throat> me coming to the cartoon got me into the comic, maybe more interested in wanting to read the comics. So it did work. I guess that's because that's going into this. I was going to ask this later. You this you were interested in, in the characters on the basis of the cartoon alone. You didn't need the background of these books. Uh, correct. Yeah, I didn't need the background, but then I wanted the background. Mm-hmm. So you kind of you saw. Know, I felt like the cartoon. Yeah, I saw. I, I felt like, and I don't know if maybe this is just me now looking back on it um, and and putting this all together, but I, the 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 series the cartoon seems like. Um, uh, Cliff's notes of the comic book. It's like they, they take, it seems like they were taking stories that you were familiar with and fans were familiar with and giving it to you in, in uh, animation form, but they certainly couldn't fit all the details and uh, backgrounds and, you know, decades of stories into one episode. So they kind of really go through stuff quickly. I think, I think the episodes move fast, especially the ones we watched here. Mm-hmm. They move fast. They jump from locations to locations. They, jump from character to character um and i think i think a lot of what we watched in this binge would have made more sense and maybe i would have connected with better had i been more familiar with the comic book it's been years since i read uh your your comic book so mm-hmm. i've i've lost like i recognized characters and i knew that you know that one is like i think i i'm, I'm jumping ahead but like i was like hey i think they're related even though they're from different times, and I was like, I was trying to remember some things. You're talking about like Cable and the the Summers. Bishop? Cable, yeah, and Bishop. yeah, because Bishop's not related, but Cable is their grandson or something. Yeah, Cable is the son of Jean Grey and and Scott Summers. And in the comics, I don't know if they ever got to this storyline because here's something they think this show did. Oh, Cable was their son born in our time, but he was infected with a, a techno organic virus, so they sent him to the future with the Ascani clan because that's where they could cure him and so he grew up and was in the future and I think maybe this is why the show felt so full and could go for five years I think they always threw stuff out thinking we'll pick up on this later or we don't have to I mean that's how the comic was written plot lines and elements would just be thrown out there and then somebody would pick it up I mean for a good 12 to 13 years you had one writer on the comic so he could do this but the way the books were working after that is people would just grab because there's so much history i mean the x-men comic book depending on when you pick it up it contradicts itself constantly like you'll follow a run like everyone 
I don't think anyone reads it forever, but you know, you follow your run, you have your period that you like. If you come back two years after you leave it, you're going to be like, well, this doesn't make sense. That's contradicting. Who's this character? Like, it's not something that necessarily has a clean continuity. That's the one thing the movies have gotten right. They also have poor <laughs> connective continuity. <laughs> but uh, uh, something that works well with because there's so many characters is they can they can just throw all these appearances and names out there. Again, like the start of this episode is in the danger room and uh, Cyclops is fighting all those names I was saying before. You see Omega Red, Apocalypse, Juggernaut, Mr. Sinister, and a space alligator in a shirt. And it's just like you're getting to see these outlandish looking characters and wondering who is that, who is this. Some of them have appeared on the show, some haven't. But they're just out there. And now if you go back, you have that recollection of, oh, yeah, I saw that character. I think I know who that is. So they do a good job with that, I think, on this show. Um, and, and I think they do a good job with getting you the backstory and everything. So narratively, it's well-structured, and it knows how to borrow the comic book well. As a cartoon, just for a second, to really look at it as a half hour, because this aired Saturday mornings is where it started um, on Fox Kids, probably around 10, 10 or something in the morning. As an animated show, as I was watching this, I just I, I couldn't tell... If the show is well animated, and actually, hold on, it's not. <laughs> it's not well animated. <laughs> this is not a well-drawn no. show. The character designs are weird. The color choices are weird. The backgrounds, they're interesting. That was like, when we start, started, starting with this episode, which was a Gambit-centric episode, I vaguely remembered it from the run. I'm not a big Gambit fan. When it started, I had the feeling of this is going to be a hard thing to get through. I'm not going to enjoy the show. The way the characters move are weird. The way stuff's framed is weird. In the background, some of them look like crayon drawings. Some of them look like scribbles. It seems like a fascinating choice, but I don't know if it's a good choice. Yeah, no, it's it's not great. Uh, Something that stood out to me, too, was a lot of the... Hum- I, they're all humans, but I guess the the non superhero characters um, all looked the same, and yeah. yeah, there wasn't a lot of variety. the The action sequences were just sort of standing and throwing things, or <laughs> su- suddenly like something goes across the screen, but you, there's no detail or concept, or you don't really know what's happening. Uh, just yeah, it's just very blocky. Everything seemed uh, thick. If that makes any sense. <laughs> what do you mean you by that? I'm like not just, sure if I know what that Like means. it just didn't have any fluidity, I guess. It, it, it didn't. I, yeah. I mean, I felt that with this episode. This, again, this is just an episode about Gambit's history in the bayou where he grew up. And it's got some stuff with his family. And yeah, and it just, everything, it was kind of ugly. You're right. The characters that aren't the main characters are ugly. I also noticed anytime yeah. there's a group of people who hate mutants, there's a guy in a green beret there. I don't know why that is. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just, it was... It was kind of ugly to look at, and yet the how the these this is the iconic look of these characters. I mean, this is the X Men in the '90s. I think earlier when I was saying people have a good memory of this show, it's because these designs are very '90s designs. Yeah, everyone's wearing their '90s costume, and all of that is there. So coming to it as a kid, when I came to it, it was just exciting to see. You know, like I probably loved watching it with you because of those questions. You know, something in fandom that I sure. love is just sometimes just saying the names of the stuff that I really love. This happens when I watch a Star Wars movie too. It's like here's you know, oh, there's Pond the Baba and there's Bib Fortuna and there's T- Tebow. You know, just get to throw out 
these names. Not Tim Tebow, but he's Tebow is an Ewok that has a pig <laughs> face for a, 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 a hat. Maybe not that different. But this show had that angle to it. But yeah, watching this Gambit episode, I, I just it was hard. It was hard to make it through it. Plus, it was just like well, the worst part for me with the Gambit episode were the uh, accents. Yes, no, it sounded like Holy a made up language, right? Oh, I, I, yeah, it was just ridiculous, and the fact that they had uh, a tithe that that they had to offer a tithe, and they were just saying tithe in their <laughs> Cajun accent over and over again was so painful. I felt like to all hear. of those scenes felt like a scene from the room. Tommy Wiseau movie, just the way they were interacting, <laughs> okay. and just the, the the brother dynamic between Gambit and his brother, and that's that's something that doesn't translate well from the comic book. I feel like you can write Gambit's accent, and I don't think I ever knew he was Cajun when I read it. I just thought I don't know what Mon Me means, but he says it a lot. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't like Gambit as a character. He has not aged well, and just in these, I was just like he. I get why he's there. I get the role he played. I'm just like, what a dumb looking character at the end of the day and dumb yeah. sounding and just, uh, yeah. 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 So this episode, I, I mean, you do know, you have anything specific to say about it? You know, not really. I, I did think, I mean, we've kind of touched on this point already, um, in a lot of ways, how the show just doesn't care if you are familiar with, with comic books, they're just going to throw it out at you. Um, and it's, I think, Part of what they do, because maybe the animation was not great, um, they do throw a lot of characters and story at you. And I thought it was weird that in this Gambit episode, as you alluded to, there was Magneto and Professor X off somewhere. You know, I have no idea what their adventure oh, is. They're in, in the Savage episode. Land. Yeah, see, that was there was a through line in the season. They get they get stuck there at the beginning of the season, or maybe even the end of the first season. But yeah, that's an ongoing storyline because Professor X is a, and Magneto are both kind of out of the picture for the team. Cyclops is leading the team because Professor X is gone. But yeah, there is a, there was an ongoing plot, and I don't quite remember what happens in it, but I do remember that ran through the season. Yeah, and it doesn't come up in any of the other episodes we've watched, I don't think. Oh, no, I don't think it does. It. They mentioned that he's gone, but you're right. Also didn't yeah, come up in the previously on, and that's a clip that would have exactly. helped. Exactly. <laughs> And so I think that's another aspect of the show. It's just like, just throw as much in as we can, um, which I think served it well at the time, but it was a little hard to, to watch, to, to binge watch these. Which I think is I, odd because it sounds like it's, the structure is for binge watching. Like, can you imagine having to go week to so. week with this show? Like seven days in between and having to remember, because <laughs> why don't we get into the next two episodes? Because it's a two-parter. This time yeah. travel storyline, I think some of this would not work well with a week in between, or you would miss something about it. Maybe. I actually was thinking but, but yeah, that... Well, I was thinking that maybe a week in between would have been a nice little break. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, coming from this... Because, yeah, yeah tell, tell, uh, it sounds like you're going to summarize the episode, so... No, no, go ahead. Go for it. Well, I mean, it, it is a, it's a time travel episode, mm-hmm. and what I was kind of going to get to was in your first episode you have uh, Bishop going back in time to prevent something or he had already prevented something and he was returning to his own time and, and realized it caused something else right and so he had to go back and fix and fix this that. cartoon That's what doesn't it was, give right? a 
fuck about its heroics. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. No, you're right. There's Bishop is this time traveling character. I think in season one, there must have been an episode where he came back. And I think the storyline is similar to Days of Future Past, the movie that they made recently. I think he stops Mystique from killing a senator. And then he goes back in this time loop or whatever. And then however many episodes later, we're getting this where he's coming back to his time. And what he did in changing the past fucked everything up. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. His, him as a hero, because the episode he was originally on before this, he was a hero. And the resolution of that episode was him achieving his goal. All of that in this valiant superhero cartoon had horrible ramifications <laughs> for this show's continuity. I mean, that's, I had never seen that before. This is a couple of dark, like bleak. These are probably the darkest, bleakest episodes I've ever seen of a cartoon. And I've watched yeah. where when the wind blows and that, that post-apocalyptic story about two old people too close to a nuclear blast just dying. This was bleak, and it aired on Saturday mornings. I mean, this is a convoluted show for kids. I mean, coming from the Gambit yeah. one, which I didn't care that much for, the moment this one started, I was so in. You know, yeah. yeah. But but what were you going to say about the two of them? I'm sorry, I cut you off just because I was so caught up in the idea that. This show really doesn't mind hurting and scaring the kids watching yeah. it. Yeah, and and that I think that's what what saved me is is that it, it is interesting and there is so much. So it's like you you, you can't look away. Um, but I think watching the the poor animation uh, in this episode with the cool storyline uh, being thrown into it and me not fully having a history with Bishop, I got the sense that he had fixed it and now it was broken again. Uh, and then he was gone back in time. And then I can't remember if it happened at the end of part one. I think it did. We go even further future in time and meet Cable. Actually, you meet him at the beginning oh. of part one. It starts in Cable's time. Oh, it does? Yeah, it's this beautiful. It looks like, um, you ever seen the movie Heavy Metal? Yeah, it looks like some of the animation in that. It's like this this twisted wasteland, and Cable's running around fighting what look like Terminators from the movie Terminator. Right. And he sees Bishop pass through. There's like a time storm because whatever Bishop did in the '90s oh, impacted that's right. Bishop that's right. from like 2059 or something. I think is the year he's from. And then Cable, yeah. and then when the episode starts, is in like 30 something. It's even further. And so we're seeing how the time how altering the timeline is impacting everything. Um, right. So it is kind of jumping around. It covers a large span of time. And we go to the first commercial break without seeing the X-Men. <laughs> like we're given these new characters. You're being thrown Bishop, who I guess had been on before. You're being thrown Cable, who is probably new. You've got Apocalypse showing up. There's no X-Men in like the first 10 minutes. And I was fine with that. Yeah, I didn't even notice. I, I think I'm... I'm combining the two episodes, and, and this was my problem trying to binge these two, mm -hmm. is because the second episode, I feel like the first episode was more Bishop-focused, and then the second episode was more um, Cable-focused. Yeah, no, you're right on that. Um, and the second episode had Cable going back in time because whatever Bishop was doing was screwing up what his future was yeah, they back to the future part to it which is awesome yeah I, I, that's what and so he had to go back and fix that and what what bugged me about it was that you were replaying and redoing a lot of what was in episode one already but not all of it 
not all of it and new new versions yeah. and, and so that was that was cool but i was also just it wore on me a bit wow. to, oh and, to, and the 17 minutes that the episode takes it wore on you a little bit it did it did oh, i, I mean i was that. watching that's, it back to back that's why i thought like i wonder how that would play with a week between because i don't know if i would remember oh yeah like back to the future part two to use that I had seen the first Back to the Future multiple times so that when he goes and revisits the scenes from the first movie, they're already ingrained in my head. Like, I really liked watching part one and part two of this back-to-back because of that. It's like, yeah, they're re- it's a nice way to save on animation. You're reusing some, but you're building a story around it. That The idea of that loop, you know, I just... I, I was blown away that this was a Saturday morning cartoon that some kid tuned in for. Like I was, again, I was in my mid to late teens when I watched this, but like a nine-year-old is turning on Fox, you know, or a seven-year-old, you know, after Eek the Cat waiting for Masked Rider and this comes on. I'm like, this, this, this yeah. is, this is like pretty Philip K. Dick shit for kids, <laughs> which is, I, I don't know. I just, I loved it. And that's why I really liked the, that aspect of, yeah, you see Bishop's story, then you see Cable's story. And, 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 and there, there is the repetition of some of it on a loop. And that, I don't know, I, this, I don't remember this episode as well. Like, I remember it being on, because, again, it was always this idea in my memory of this character was on at this. But I don't remember it being as good as it was. Because the first part, when we finally do get to present day, like, Apocalypse shows up. There's a whole thing with a virus going on. There's a very bizarre kind of let's plan a virus on people plotline that ties into what happens in the future. But at the end of that episode, Apocalypse disintegrates the X-Men team. <laughs> he just obliterates them, he shoots them, and destroys them. And we cut to the future with Cable saying that, you know, to save his future, he has to work with Apocalypse, and he's all torn up about it. And this is how you end your Twilight Zone of an episode. <laughs> I mean, imagine having to go a week, thinking like, what the fuck? My characters are dead. <laughs> Cable doesn't like what he has to do. There's no way this can resolve. I loved that. Yeah. And, it plays, and it's using a lot of my favorite plot lines from the show, from the comic book, excuse me. But it's also giving you an actual ethical conundrum. Cable has a conundrum that doesn't get talked about in time travel movies as much, which is like, whatever you do to change it to better you, it's going to screw somebody else over. It's unavoidable. See, now here's, here's maybe where... Um, maybe you're. Maybe I just didn't catch it as I'm watching it, but you, you seem to be pulling a deeper uh, storyline out of it than I remember watching uh, this week. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe it's because it's from a storyline you're familiar with, and so you have that background and you know the deeper aspects of it that maybe they could um, uh, just get into more in the comic book or multiple uh, issues. Whereas here, I, I just felt like so much of it was getting thrown at me, uh, which is kind of why I feel like I would have appreciated a break between. I mean, there are relentless episodes. It really is. Especially when you're following cable, it's just thing after thing after thing. Um, which again, I liked, I just like those kind of stakes in a cartoon don't happen unless it's like a slapsticky three minute bugs, bunny cartoon normally where it's one thing after another, but this is like an action adventure, time travel, whatever, something you're, you're talking about like the backstory and the comic book stories was something this cartoon actually does better. These two episodes do better than I think the comic book has is they found a way to kind of balance out Bishop and cable because in the comic books, 
the timelines never line up because there was a storyline in the early 80s called Days of Future Past, which took place in the 80s and then going ahead to the future to maybe 2016 or something. Sentinels have taken over and killed all these mutants. And so um, Kitty Pride comes back to our time of the 80s at that point to try to stop this future from happening. But because you give it a date, that always exists as well. The comic book will reach that date someday. So either that timeline exists or it doesn't. If it doesn't exist, there are certain characters from that timeline that can no longer exist. Um, the similar, similar thing happened with bishops from a future that's different from that future. Cables from another future that was that future, but then that future was changed. So they're all coming from these alternate timelines. And the comic book never quite explains how they can all coexist. Be- I mean, I guess the wording of alternate timeline, but it's kind of like there should be ramifications that eliminate someone or someone can't be here because this future that they need to exist doesn't exist but in these two episodes one they spread out the time frame so cables from further ahead two when we see cable it's only after bishop has done something in the past so maybe cable didn't exist before and three they give us your favorite character forge is is there to tell us that oh well if that's if the timeline changed of course i wouldn't remember that like he's smart enough to know that it's not like he's like what are you talking about and he's so unaffected he really by, is unaffected by, by everything that's going on. <laughs> but I just feel like the show, because that's the show allows them all to coexist, which the comics don't. They just, they all show up, but they're, they're, they're conflicting timelines. Well, they allow them to coexist in these two episodes. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure if, I'm not sure, but I, I imagine if, if they come back and if they do more time travel episodes of the series, I'm, I'm sure you get to the point where it starts to get just as convoluted. Mm-hmm. I don't, but yeah, this, these two episodes did a fine job. I feel like the animation didn't bother me in these. Something worked. Because again, they look like the old Mobius comics a little bit, although not as pretty, or maybe old heavy metal comics. Like They really do a good job of this twisted, burnt-out world. And I thought the fights in this, like some of the super heroics in this, were actually kind of enjoyable. Like There's an actually yeah. progressive for a cartoon fight between Cable and Rogue, where they go one-on-one, and it doesn't seem like anyone's pulling punches. It doesn't seem like... Because normally it's like we have to pair the females with the females, the males with the males if they're going to fight. But they had a really great fight scene. I mean, there's a little too much gunplay in the episode. But when it's mutant powers going on, I thought it was really fun. And, and I think while I was watching that, that's when I realized that this show has very interesting like angles. It just has really bad animation for those <laughs> angles. Like there's just some weird okay. point of view shots. I'm like, these this looks great. This could be a cool thing to see someone flip into, flip out of. It's just weird animation. But no, these I thought these two episodes were like masterpieces of animation for that time. For storytelling at least, because again, I'm just going back to that this was a Saturday morning cartoon. That yeah. kids tuning into, and this is the storyline they get. This bleak, yeah. thing. We talked about this in the tick episode too. Um, like, who who did they think their audience was going to be? Was it going to be like you're saying, eight year old kids, or was it going to be you know hungover, you know, uh, cocoa puff eating college kids? <laughs> Which is what we were, or at least what I yeah, was. And I think it can be both. I think cartoons and. I, I, definitely realize that now as I've gotten older like cartoons always hold a soft spot in that sense so I think it could be for both and it must have been because there were toys and there were promos and it was part of the Fox Kids Club so it was you know similar to the tick where it was more the humor not the subject matter we seem more just mature but they both they both work really well together 
And I don't know. I just, I'm impressed that this existed and that I don't remember it being this intricate. Like it's really well put together and it's really just mind warping as a story goes. Let's talk about the last episode. The Rogue's Tale episode? The Rogue's Tale episode. Um, Um, Because you were talking about, and and I can't remember if we talked about this on a podcast before or if it was just a personal conversation. Um, But I don't know, a couple months ago, I started rewatching this. So I watched the the pilot episode. Yeah, the X Men cartoon. So I watched the pilot episode and uh, I watched it with my oldest daughter. And, And it happened to focus on, I think it was focused on Jubilee. And Storm and Rogue helped her out. And I thought it was pretty awesome. I didn't expect this because I couldn't remember what the pilot was about. But I thought it was pretty awesome that the focus were female characters with superpowers and and feeling like outcasts. And um, I was excited for my daughter to watch it. She didn't have any interest after the fact. I thought maybe she would. But she didn't. Um, but that's what, that's what I like about the show is that – and I think you said it too how a female character is fighting a male character – um, it, it didn't matter. They weren't trying to um, be politically correct or, or, or skew what what the viewpoint should be. It's like, hey, she's got superpowers. She can take on whoever. Um, and so it was great to see Rogue's Tale. She's a great character on the show. They, they use her really well. They capture her really well. She's the strongest member of the team. Yeah. Um, she stands up for herself. That was like the fight with Cable. Like she's, you know, she has the... Unlike the, and it's weird. I didn't. None of this was intentional. But the bookend all these with like the Gambit origin and then the Rogue origin. The Gambit one's not an origin, but you get some of his past. Like the Gambit episode kind of stunk. <laughs> the character <laughs> is not something I like. But this Rogue episode, she's already a well-known character. But it's kind of like they give you her backstory, but they do it so quickly. They give you how she got her powers, and it's creepy. Like they they really don't pull their punches with in the storyline of of uh, in the comics. Rogue was originally a villain. She first fought the Avengers, actually. And Mystique brought her up to believe that she was doing the right thing, but she was a she was a villain, and she fought this character named Miss Marvel, and in the comics she absorbed Miss Marvel's powers and personality and put this superhero in a in a coma. And that's why she can fly. She can never fly before that. Because Rogue's powers are she can absorb the powers and thoughts of someone else. Right. If she holds them too long, she could kill them. So there's this idea that Miss Marvel lived in her head. And, they, and I don't remember exactly in the comic how all of that came out. Like, I don't remember what actually happens in this episode, which is all of a sudden the Miss Marvel persona, which is trapped in her head, starts freaking out. And Rogue's yeah, out. I had no recollection of if this ever came up before in the course of the series. Probably not, right? I mean, this was just centric to this episode. But it's great. And and through doing that, they also give you her whole history with Mystique. Mystique shows up on this episode. Another one of my favorite characters. I was so glad she was here. Who were the other guys with Mystique? Was that the Blob? It was the Blob, Pyro, and Avalanche. They're all, they're all members of the, originally of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And then Mystique led a team, I think, called Freedom Force for a while, which was like a mutant liberation front. And they were all members of that. Okay. And, yeah, it was cool to see them. They've probably been on the show before. But if they're not, you're getting them in their ridiculous costumes. I'm just like, I feel like, you know, Rogue is a character. And this is, again, this show, this cartoon is doing something that maybe the movies don't do as well. The movies in general don't do. Like, 
when this cartoon came out, this was probably the first time someone who doesn't read the comics saw Rogue. Like, I always think of Rogue as an intricate member of the team because I read the comics. And she was big on this cartoon. But unlike Spider-Man, unlike Batman, unlike Superman, these characters who you know their origin stories. Right. No one knows about Rogue. And it's kind of like a lot, you know, like we can see Batman's origin once. And I feel like the world did in the 1989 movie. You know, and you see Superman's origin. And I guess the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie had to give you the origin. But, you know, we get bogged down when we see the origin again and again and again. Because it's just like... We know the story, and you're taking so long to tell it. Just move on. This cartoon gives us, I feel like anyways, gave us Rogue's origin in a matter of seconds. And interestingly, and with some great visuals, they do the whole, they they have a fight inside of her mind, basically, on the astral plane of her mind or whatever. That's the wrong use of astral plane. But I just feel like they did a really good job of giving this origin that honestly shouldn't, and I guess I should ask you, did it make sense? Because it shouldn't make sense because we don't know Ms. Marvel. We don't know the bigger story of the Marvel Universe if we're just watching this. Did her origin make sense on this? It wasn't uh, hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. But again, it's that kind of situation for me, not knowing Ms. Marvel, not knowing, uh, like I, I knew Mystique, is, is Mystique her mother or like... Uh, pretended to be her mother or, or something. I think so it's I her knew real mother. That's changed a couple of times. I think in the comics, it's her real mother. Yeah. So I knew Mystique and Rogue were connected. I did not know Rogue's origin. And as I'm watching this, I, did, I couldn't tell you if this was the real origin. Clearly it is. Um, I, so I didn't know if they were just throwing a character in or, or what they were doing. Um, and so for me, it came hard and fast and I followed it, but I didn't, quite connect to it again oh. like that that's been my thing for these episodes is like um they're they're great to watch i can't pull away they're really interesting um but they're not very at least to me in 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 this viewing they didn't seem very deep i felt like there should have been a deeper connection really something yeah and i feel like you have that connection i mean you, you're so seeing, it's working for me because I have the comic books as the background. That's that's what I'm thinking because I don't have the comic books as a background. The, the storylines I read weren't the ones that we were watching here, so I didn't have that that connection. I still enjoyed it, and I I like could see the struggle that she was having, but it, I didn't connect with it as much. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't as powerful as I think you're talking about. So should they have introduced a character sooner? Should they not have done this? Should it have been a character from the show? What would have made it work more? This origin story of Rogue is fighting this personality that, by the way, Professor X buried. Like I thought I was another thing. I was like, this cartoon gives you a dark side of Professor X. He locks up the Miss Marvel persona and makes Rogue forget it's in there. Yeah. But, and too you're- much. And you're saying that as someone who knows that storyline from the the comic books. Wasn't that said in the episode? Don't they explain it, it that was, in the episode? It was, it was briefly said in the episode. Like you're saying, this is a very fast origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was briefly said. And it, I couldn't tell if that was, oh, was he doing her a favor? Um, oh. Or was he robbing her of uh, uh, her history? It, I couldn't put that together in the brief moment that they were presenting it. So you're asking how could they have made it better? A two-parter maybe would have been nice to spread it out a little. Give, give us a little uh, <clears throat> time to let it seep in. 
maybe even a three-parter because it like you're saying this is a pretty major thing it's not just her origin but it involves all these other characters and and it seems like i mean it is big and i do kind of remember this from from some of the things i read in the comic book everybody's using rogue everybody mm-hmm. is manipulating her in so many different ways you don't quite get that i think in this one 22 oh. minute 23 minute episode you really? get the hits you get like here's this part here's this part here's this part here's this part um you don't really uh, i didn't have time to connect i think you've found it more enjoyable because you knew the story wow okay see i and again you're right i do know the stories and i just <laughs> I, I didn't think that's why i was finding finding it enjoyable because i'm watching this again i can't not watch it without the knowledge that i have right. and the love i have for right. the show so i get that and i get all the little nods but a lot of times when i'm watching something i love like if it's star wars if it's transformers with someone who doesn't know the source material i'm constantly glancing at them wondering if they do get the little nods and references like when you know to, to watch the, like the star wars rebels cartoon and wonder like would people get this without the movies blah 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 you know and almost watching it as as a curator or, or a narrator who's going to say like oh that's this person that's why this happened you right. know i find a way that i think is clever to say it so it doesn't sound like i'm lecturing nobody cares but i do it anyways <laughs> i'm like oh that's this Watching this, I felt like I, that that wasn't needed, but it sounds like it is. And I'm wondering why why hasn't any other show done this? Because I really felt like, and it sounds like it didn't do this for you, so maybe my thoughts are wrong, that this particular cartoon, the X-Men cartoon, did comic books justice, did the X-Men comic book justice in, in its presentation with absolutely no compromise. But it sounds like you need more in the cartoon for it to make sense. Not necessarily to make sense, but for it to be more impactful. Um, I think that's what I'm missing. I think I've, I'm seeing a very surface level interpretation of the storylines. So where, so I'm getting the deepness of it just because I know another drawing of it with word bubbles that told the same story. I mean, that's the thing. These are drawings of people. They're not real people. And I'm getting so much out of it. Think about it like this: if 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 you had an experience in your life with with a bunch of friends, um, no, this is going to be a shitty analogy. I think can't wait to get through it. If you retell uh, a story, um, like for instance, I would retell the story of how my wife and I met. Mm-hmm. Um, I've retold that story, but I yeah. get it wrong. I'm thinking of when you propose. Sorry, <laughs> but that's a good story too. But I've I've retold that story because it's I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. I lived it. It's emotional to me, and the first time I tell it, I I think I pack it with details, and and maybe I do the next several times. And the more I tell it, you know, I skip over some parts and 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 whatever. And I'm still hearing it in my head as as I'm saying it. I'm still uh, emotionally invested in it. I I'm getting the 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 hits and and if you were hearing it because maybe you were there at the beginning and have heard it before you'd have a a similar reaction to it perhaps but then the person I'm telling 20 years after the fact the story for the first time um, I'm going to still hit the major parts but they might not find it as engaging and as 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 sweet and as as cool as perhaps I felt it was the first time and I guess what I'm trying to say is You've probably read that storyline and you probably reread that storyline when you were younger and it stuck with you. And then as it gets retold, layers are pulled away from it, but you're still familiar with those layers. And so you're kind of filling in the blinks of a story that is really just for me, maybe only kind of this surface level action story where the stuff that's sort of deeper and more powerful and more meaningful, I'm not quite getting 
I, I would need more from the cartoon, but f- I think what it did for me is it took me to the comic book. In 1992, had it been a Teen Titans cartoon or or, uh, or some of the other, even an Avengers cartoon at that time, you know, or, you know, Spider-Man is Amazing yeah. Friends, which I enjoyed, that, that twisted things around. Any other grouping, I probably would have watched it and liked it, but I wouldn't have been as invested. I was so excited for this cartoon then that I don't think I saw it as a cartoon. I saw it as that segment in the... Um, the Gambit episode where Cyclops is in the danger room. And it's, again, it's like, here's each character flashing and he's fighting. Like that was, <laughs> that's what the show was to me then. Like, I don't actually remember enjoying the cartoon when I really think about it. I enjoyed those moments and I watched it every week, but I don't remember thinking this is a good show. <laughs> I watched it out of responsibility for the source material. And I watched it to get the, the little jazz of the characters and watching it this time, I don't think it's nostalgia that's making me enjoy the show. I really felt like these are well put together, with the exception of the Gambit episode, well put together <laughs> episodes of a TV show. Are you going to go back and binge more? I think uh, so. Uh, I think I'm going to yeah. watch more of them because they are all interconnected. I kind of want to start from the beginning of season two and go all the way through. I was really surprised by this show. And, and again, I didn't think I was going to be surprised. I thought I was going to be disappointed. My impression would be I'm going to watch this and I'm not going to like it. Because, again, to me, this first material is so sacred. And, I, you know, in my head I wanted to be like, no one can do this right. But it's kind of like people have done it right multiple times. So many writers have written these characters. I enjoyed the movies. I enjoyed the cartoon. Things can jump mediums. And this cartoon made me think of that because I felt like this cartoon of anything I've ever watched is the perfect boil, not even boil down, the perfect representation of the source material. Well, that's the show, everybody. (laughs) That's what happens (laughs) when a show starts strong and peters out. (laughs) But thank you for listening. Nonetheless, thank you for being here. Um, As always, check out 20podcast.com, www.20podcast.com. That's our website, our revamped website. It went up last week. I'm trying to build it up a little bit. We're trying to build it up a little bit more, but I think it'll be a nice kind of hub that from there you can get in touch with us through Twitter, through Instagram, through Facebook, subscribe to the show, everything you would need for the show. Check it out there. And what I will ask, what I will ask today is if you are listening to the show, I would like to know how you hear it. Um, Bob, I'm going to say you do too, just to see how it's getting out there. So um, if you do visit the website, 20popcast.com, uh, head over to the pop talk section and just drop us a line. Let us know how you watch the show. Listen to the show. I keep saying watch today. Sorry. How you timepiece the show. Li- how you fob it. I listen in real time. I know, right? And with all the errors, all of the errors. But yeah, just drop us on. Let us know that. Um, I'm not going to promote myself any further because that did a lot. What about you, sir? Uh, well, you can uh, check me out on Twitter as well, RH Cam. Say as well, but I didn't get Cam. mine. Yours is what? Oh, no, you what's didn't. Your ta- I talked oh. right through you there. Jesus, dude. Sorry. At RH Canning, but um, since we're talking comics, um, I'll, I'll promote my uh, my web comic where I do not mess with continuity ever. <laughs> um, Nobody age. Do people age in your comic strip? They haven't no. yet, although uh, depending on how long I keep it up, they might, mm-hmm. since it is about me and my kids uh but you can check that out at exaggeratedlife.wordpress.com dot com that's the second time you've done that it is i think that might be my new catchphrase because my old <laughs> catchphrase has been kind of worn into the ground but thank you for listening everyone we'll be back uh next week with something catchphrase